Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, where your host, Andy Jacob, interviews leading entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs about their incredible companies and discusses their unique entrepreneurial journeys. If you're the CEO or founder of an exciting and exceptional company, the editorial team of Dotcom Magazine welcomes you to pitch your business story to appear on this exciting interview series by reaching out to Mr. Jacob at Dotcom Magazine at dotcommagazine.com. And without further ado, here is another amazing entrepreneurial story on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Hello, everybody. Andy Jacob here with the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. I have a great show today. You know, I've been waiting for this show for about three weeks because when I heard what this organization is doing, I had to get the CEO and founder on the show. His name is Mr. John McDaniel. And of course, he's the CEO and founder of an amazing organization called the Wounded Warriors in Action Foundation, WWIA. And when I had a pre-interview call with John just a couple of weeks ago, and we started talking about what his organization does to really serve the nation's heroes. I mean, we're talking about combat wounded Purple Heart recipients and what the organization does with these heroes. It's remarkable. I mean, they offer world-class outdoor sporting activities as a means to not only recognize these heroes, but honor their sacrifice and encourage their independence and allow them to connect with their community. I had to bring them on the show. So John, I'm so excited to have you on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here, Jake. I appreciate the opportunity. I mean, it's unbelievable what you're doing. You're promoting so much healing and so much wellness through sort of the camaraderie that's shared with, you know, all these sort of wounded heroes and the outdoors. I mean, it's just a perfect combination. Before we get started, though, because we have so many questions, let's pull the lens back to 30,000 feet. You tell the story better than I do. Tell us about what you're doing, and then I'll start with the questions. Okay, sure. Well, I, I, I uh, did a 20-year military career on active duty. I retired as a lieutenant colonel, uh, infantry, special operations, uh, airborne ranger, all that, you know, scary stuff. And uh, when I was here at, at my last duty assignment here at SOCOM across the bay from where I live now, um, you know, it was 2005 was my last duty assignment. And uh, I had a couple of years there before I got my, my 20 in. And, um, you know, the war was raging and uh, we were making sausage at SOCOM. You know, we were prosecuting the war you know, as the global synchronizers uh, and all that was good. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was a little far away from the forward edge of battle at that particular time in my career. And so to stay connected to it, I, I would go over to the James A. Haley Poly Trauma Center in Tampa. And up there on the sixth, at the time, I think it was the sixth floor of the ward, uh, you know, where, where the worst of the worst, uh, you know, injuries uh, veterans were. And a lot of Army guys, a lot of, a lot of uh, Marine Corps guys, very young, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. 
And the polytrauma center, for those that don't know, they, they deal with the traumatic brain injuries and spinal cord injuries. And so that's, you know, the, the polytrauma. And anyway, uh, it was just heartbreaking, you know, absolutely heartbreaking to see, you know, these young men, uh, you know, chewing on rubber balls so they don't swallow their tongues, their girlfriends, their wives, their, their mothers, you know, their fathers all sitting bedside wondering if and whenever, uh, you know, their, their, their son was going to return. And, and, and I thought to myself, you know, I got to do something, you know, I, I mean, I'm already doing something. Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm wearing a uniform, but, but I got, I felt at that point in my uh, life, I guess, in my, my, my career, Jake, that there was more to do. And I thought that I would have a greater impact uh, if I was to do something. And I didn't know what that something was, but, but I would go up there routinely and uh, so, you know, as I was getting ready to retire, I started scratching down the things that were that I was passionate about, because you've heard everybody's heard, you know, hey, find something that you're passionate about and figure out how to you know, make a difference in the world doing it or make a career out of it. Well, I, I took that very seriously and I wrote down on a piece of paper, uh, you know, heroes. And, and to me, you know, if you bleed in our country's uniform, our boots that were issued to you, you're a hero, hero full stop. You know, it's a hard, hard standard. So, you know, the, those that are wounded, um, you know, the outdoors, yeah, believe it or not, you know, um, hunting and fishing specifically in the outdoors and, and, uh, you know, this idea of, uh, America, you know, the returning from, from, from combat, you know, from a foreign country back here, you know, I knew very well what had happened to our Vietnam heroes. I was at the University of Wisconsin in, in, in the early, in the mid 1980s, and Vietnam was still very fresh in that and in, in, in the student population's mind, I guess. And 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 I had studied the Vietnam Wars, and and I was like, you know, inside of me, I felt like there was something that I could do. I didn't know what it was at that particular time, but I knew that there was something that I had to do to help right that wrong. And so at the end of the day, you know, I combined all those things that I was passionate about and I came up with the Wounded Warriors in Action Foundation. And I knew that there was a, a lot of healing in the outdoors to be had. And, and I know it was helping me. And so I started taking guys out of the polytrauma, uh, the James A. Haley Polytrauma Center and, and, you know, onesies and twosies and taking them fishing here in the Bay. I had a property down in the Florida Keys. I had some property up in the North Woods of Wisconsin. And the guys that were prosecuting the war buddies of mine who were battalion brigade commanders would call me up and go, Hey, Hey, John, you know, here's a name and a number of a guy that I think you could really help. And so I was doing it like that. All right. You know, I, I did, you don't need a piece of paper from the government to, you know, uh, uh, that says you're a charity to do good in the world. And so I was doing, I was doing that without a piece of paper, uh, without 501c3 status uh, because I had resource and I, I, I was willing to do it. And, and so that's what I was doing. And then very short, short, you know, well, into it a few years, I suppose, I began to realize that, you know, I could serve a lot more if, if uh, more heroes, you know, if I, you know, took this to the next level. And because and it was working for them, uh, it was working for me. And so that's what I did. I filed for C status and, 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 and it was made uh, effective retroactive to 2007. And uh, the next thing I, and I was going to build a, I was in the process of building a healing center in the North woods of Wisconsin. 
And uh, then the phone started ringing, the email started coming, and we launched a website. And, and what I found out was very rapidly that I wasn't the only person on the planet that thought this was a good idea. So um, instead of building this you know, healing center, uh, which we're still going to do and are doing, but uh, I sort of put the pump, the brakes on that idea and started opening up um, our ranks to uh, many people across the country that said they wanted to help. And we were just shaping their ideas off of my basic model and uh, vetting people to make sure that they were, you know, legitimate and, and they were in it to win it, if you will. And uh, here we are 16 years downstream and we've got 50 missions in 35 different states and, uh, you know, a couple foreign countries and, um, you know, very proud of what's uh, happened across the fabric of, of America to help these, these heroes of ours. Yeah, it's so great, John. When I think of you and think about what you're doing, I think of leadership and I think of passion and I think of dedication. And one thing, you know, when we spoke earlier that really caught my attention was, the group of people that you have on your team, and you have a great team, you have executive staff, you have advisors, you have board of directors, you also have these people called the pro staff. I want to talk about the pro staff because they're sort of the ones that go out and do the guiding and they're the yeah. ones that sort of serve the vets. Let's talk about the pro staff and sort of how they interact with the people that you send out into these incredible experiences. Okay, well, that's a great question. Uh, the, probably for the first I would say eight years, I was on every single mission that we did. I was leading every single mission. And uh, I was on the road, I think at the time, I was on the road like 48 weeks out of 52. It was, just, it was, it was not a sustainable model. And so, uh, and there was way too much focus on me, to be honest with you. You know, I'd show up and, and, and people would have a tendency to gravitate or spend a little bit too much, in my opinion, energy on me and not where the, the the focus needed to be on the heroes, more on the heroes, less on me. And so um, I, I started looking around our ranks and I had been looking for, um, you know, a handful of guys that, that, that I, that, that I had served that I thought, you know, uh, would, would perform very well in this space. And, you know, one, you got to have the right, you know, it's a combination of IQ and EQ, right? I mean, you, you gotta you gotta be intelligent, but you also have to be emotionally intelligent. And 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 so I knew that you know if I could if I could find a group, you know, of of, of combat wounded veterans who were like minded like me, who you know had the desire, the skill set, the will to perform in this space, interact between my headquarters, me and my headquarters, the volunteers across the country you know, the, the, the communities that are supporting them, if I could find, and the heroes, most importantly, interact well with the heroes, our clients. Okay. And so the, the bottom line is we created a guide school about six years ago. Um, and we use Maine's master guide program as the centerpiece. And we add on to that. I mean, it's a 10 day guide school, uh, that I think is probably the finest guide school on the planet. I, I, I'm going to say that. Uh, I, I challenge anybody to find a better one. Uh, and we're training these uh, amazing, select, amazing heroes. Uh, and to this date, we've run uh, uh, four iterations of that. We have, we have a total of 21 guides on the staff. These are Purple Heart recipients who are all volunteers. Nobody's getting paid. They're leading uh, approximately you know, three to four missions annually. And, and in the field with their peers, 
uh, with a very uh, polished skill set that they learned through our guide school, which is, by the way, funded by the VA. Thank you. Um, and, and so it's a very professional course. And, and that was sort of one of my objectives. I don't know, you know, maybe 10 years ago was to professionalize the force, you know, and to take the spotlight away from me, uh, you know, you know, power down model, uh, you know, get the right people in the right places. And, and, and I'll tell you, it, it has made a huge impact. And, and, you know, ultimately, you know, I mean, like they say, you know, any organization, you can measure the value uh, or effectiveness of any organization by how well they perform in the absence of their boss. Okay. <laughs> and so that tells you, I think that you're doing a pretty good job if they're out there performing at high standards and, and the boss is not around. And that's the case 99.9% of the time in field operations, other than the few events that I still continue to lead. Um, but yeah, so very proud of that uh, group of, of professionals. Uh, we have w- one female and, and 20 uh, males that are Purple Heart recipients that have been through our guide school and are leading these, leading these activities across the country. And it's very humbling uh, to me uh, to have such a, uh, you know, a talented and wonderful group of combat wounded heroes who are leading these mission sets. Wow, what a great group of individuals. They're all Purple Heart recipients themselves. Let's talk about it a little bit because You're honoring these recipients. It's at no cost to them to go on one of these wonderful engagements. You know, it's not, you vet these people. I mean, you know, they they have to apply online. They have to provide the proof of the Purple Heart in the form of certain documentation. You want their photos, of course. It's very, very confidential as well. When we think about it, okay, okay. We have these Purple Heart recipients. They apply. They've heard about it. You've got the guides. They're doing such a great job. You, you put together the program. What happens at the program? What, what, how long is a program? What changes in these people, these heroes, that when they leave, they have a, they have a mind-blowing experience? That's a great question, Jake. And, and I think in each scenario uh, is different, but I think there's a common thread that you can run throughout. We have over nine, I think at last count, it was a thousand first person testimonials on our website. Okay. Um, under the about, there's a testimonial block. You can read all about it. But these are first person testimonials, right? And, and, and what I've always said, and I think is true, you know, it's not what I have to say about the organization. Okay. It's not what you have to say about your organization that really matters. It's what your customers or your clients have to say that really matters. And we don't often spend, people don't spend enough time um, really, listening to what they have to say. Um, and if you ask them to just say, hey, you know, that's what I started doing uh, 16 years ago. I've got a, a journal. You know, now there's is probably 30 journals out there. But, you know, the, I had an original journal that I would you know give to the heroes and just say, hey, listen, I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than enjoy yourself this weekend. You know, we, we're going to go fishing for muskie. We're going to go uh, pursue rough grouse uh, and woodcock and white-tailed deer with our bows and, and geese and ducks, okay, in this five-day weekend, okay? We're going to do all those things. But if you decide to just stay in bed that one of those mornings because, you know, you just don't, you'd rather, you know, go outside and stare at the trees. I said, I'm cool with that, all right? This, this is for you. 
nobody's ever taken me up. I think one guy took me up on that one time. He said, you know, I just kind of want to hang out with you today. And I said, no problem, man. But, but, you know, I mean, so we, we tailor, we tailor these opportunities based on their, their needs. Uh, all, all of the events are adaptive in nature based on their, their injuries and limitations. We, you know, our guide staff is, is, is fully trained on, on doing adaptive sporting techniques um, so it, it's all tailored, but you know, you'd be amazed at what they tell you. You know, I mean, I, I get, I still, to this day, I have a hard time reading some of them, you know, the, the testimonials and, and, and I, I guess, I just got goosebumps thinking, of, uh, you know, about, about some of them because, um, you know, I've even been told deadpan of look me right deadpan in the eye and say, you know, you saved my life. You know, I had a guy, and I won't mention his name, but this was probably uh, five or six years ago. Um, you know, he I later saw him at a gas station. Uh, we were leaving a small remote site in Kansas in Cawker City. Um, and uh, I was getting gas, getting ready to go back to Wisconsin. And, and you know, here, here Frank comes pulling up. And and he sees me in my truck and I had a big, you know, the big logo on the truck and everything. And 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 he and kind of like wedges me in and he gets out of the car. And I was like, hey, Frank, how's it going? He, he, go, he pulls me aside. And he says, listen, I want to tell you something. Last week, I lost both my dad and my son. And he said, um, I was thinking about, you know, taking my life before this event. But now. Now that I've been reconnected, uh, you've helped me find purpose in my life. Um, you know, I went on and just shook my hand and said, thank you. Now, I'm not saying that happens every time because it doesn't. But, you know, I think uh, if you can save one life, just one, because, you know, the suicide rate, you've seen that on, on everybody's seen that. It's like we're losing 22 veterans a day. It's It's crazy. I mean, that's just unacceptable. How is that possible? In our, in our discussion, somebody's taken, a veteran's taken their life, you know? I, I, and so anyway, providing them purpose, getting them reconnected, you know, and, and there's something magical about, I think anyway, I mean, I, when I came back from combat, you know, everything had changed. I mean, the perspective on everything changes. It can't, you can't help but change. But to come back to this country and not be welcomed back, like what happened to our, our, our Vietnam veterans, is a sin, okay? It's absolutely a sin. And, and I think we've learned from that. I know we have, you know, and that's great. Um, so, but to come back and then be welcomed by people who don't, you don't even know, who are opening their homes, their property, their communities, their resources to say, thank you. Thank you for what you did. You know, that's what, that's what happens in every one of these missions, you know, honor, connect, and heal. Those are our buzzwords, you know, honor what they did, connect them with each other in communities, you know, and, and help them heal through that process, that layering process, right? To make them feel like what they did was valued. And it was. And so that's the formula. That's what's happening. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's quite amazing. And, and so, um, you know, when you read those testimonials, you'll see, you know, everything from, you know, soup to nuts in there, but they all have one thing in common, which is to say, hey, I, I didn't expect this, you know, I didn't expect people, you know, to put this much energy into what they're doing. And, and, and that's what we do. We have a world-class standard. Uh, we're not coming off it. You know, everything is meticulously planned. 
um, and, and very well executed. And it's all about providing, you know, it's a full-fledged guide service, but they don't pay a thing for it. You know, on average, if you decided to like say tomorrow, go, hey, you know, next, you know, three months from now, I want to go elk hunting in Colorado, break out your checkbook. Okay. Cause you're going to spend $10,000 on that deal. I promise you before you even get on the airplane. And so um, this is expensive business, but I think it's worth it. You know, I mean, I know it is. Um, so that's what we, that's what we do. Um, you know, that's our mission, provide world-class outdoor sporting activities aimed at, you know, honoring, connecting and healing them. I love it. Honor, connect and heal. It's powerful. And of course you mentioned, you know, it's very organized. It's very sedulous. John, that's, that's amazing. And of course, everything you do is really organized down to the, down to the brass tacks because these heroes, they expect things to be run sort of the way they were in the armed forces, which is really down to the strategy, down to the tactic, down to the mission, make sure every minute is precisely figured out. And you have a special way in which you sort of approach that that I'm sure resonates with the uh, with the Purple Heart recipient. So tell us about that a little bit. Sure, um, you know we write uh, what we write an operations order for every single mission that we do. It's called an op org, and and in the army in, in army language, an operations order has five five basic paragraphs to it. You know, it, te- it the basic who, what, where, when, and why. You know, it's got the communications piece, the logistics piece, the mission, the execution, the situation, all these, you know, components that that these men are used to seeing. And so, you know, I've written, you know, in my career, hundreds of them, you know, uh, you know, probably had my hands on thousands of them. And, and I just thought it was a really great way to communicate to our heroes, you know, what are we doing? You know, who are we doing it with? Where are we doing it? You know, all the details. And so we, we, we took that five paragraph operations order. We expanded it, put, you know, paragraph six for safety and, you know, but, but basically it's, it, it, it is a, 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 a full fledged operations order. And they receive that um, usually about two weeks before we go hot. You know, gives all the, you know, their timeline, you know, their flight information, who's picking them up, because these guys don't like uncertainty. That's the one thing I learned. You know, they love predictability. And when they've got a colonel involved, you know, uh, I think I, you know, I'm not a, I wasn't a general, you know, I did 20 years and 20 minutes, you know, and I was done, uh, you know. Uh, I loved it. And I could have gone on, but I, I was like, you know, I, I, I think I'm done with this. I, I've done all, I've achieved everything I can or want to. And so I think, you know, at the rank of Lieutenant Colonel, um, you know, I'm approachable and they're used to it. Battalion commanders. I mean, that's, you know, that was the man when you, you're a soldier, that's the first level of beside your company commander, you know, but that's the first level where you have you know, uh, UCMJ authority, you know, uniform code of military justice. I can take your rank. I can, you know, I can, uh, I can find you, you know, I mean, that, that there, there's the law and he's the man. And, and for most enlisted guys, that guy's kind of unapproachable, but you can still, you know, if you go to see him, you know, it's either really good or really bad. And so, you know, I think that the having a, you know, a guy like me in charge that, you know, is at that, was at that level really seems to work well for the organization. But yeah, I mean, we tie the knots, we tie all the knots, cross all the T's, dot all the I's, 
you know, and, and there's enough room in there, obviously, for a lot of, uh, you know, um, creativity. And we leave that to the host. Like, I don't micromanage anybody, you know. Uh, that's not really true. When people need to be micromanaged, you know, I do that. But it's very rare, and it's always at the headquarters. I don't mess with the people out in the field doing their missions. You know, if you have clear intent, clear purpose, and a solid mission statement, you'd be surprised what great people will do for you, you know. So everybody's operating under this constraint, spirit, and intent, and, um, you know, it just seems to really, really work well. And, and, and I think the guys respond to it. I hear all the time, hey, I love the operations order. And, I, you know, it kind of makes me smile. Um, and I've tortured my staff enough on the thing where we've got it really, you know, pretty straight. Yeah, I love it, John. And for the entrepreneurs watching the show, this operations order is a great lesson to be learned because John knows his client base. He knows the people who he's serving. And just like any entrepreneur in any business, you need to know your clients and you need to provide them something that will resonate for them and something that will sort of tickle their hot button and something that will make them feel comfortable doing business with you and something that makes them feel comfortable with your organization. And in this particular case, John sending out the operations order, which is something they're familiar with and something that they've seen before and something that makes them feel very secure and very structured is a great way to approach his clients. So this is a great lesson for other entrepreneurs as well. John, I know you've only cut out a certain amount of time today, and I'm just delighted to have you on the show. I know I'm bringing you back because there's so much to unpack. We did talk about the age. You know, we, we have, you know, Purple Heart recipients going all the way back. I don't know if you even have World War II people now that are participating, but give us some outlook or some color or some some fabric about what it looks like. How old is the oldest participant at the Wounded Warriors in Action Foundation? Okay, great question. We we, uh, we serve all Purple Heart recipients. By the way, you know I don't know if you can see that, but but that right there is the uh, that's our challenge coin, and that's for those that haven't seen the Purple Heart. That's it's got George Washington's uh, picture on it. But uh, anyway, you know we. Uh, we serve all Purple Heart recipients, regardless of the era of conflict. So we, when we started, there was a, a handful of, uh, you know, World War II guys uh, 16 years ago who were still ready, willing, and able to go out on these missions and had applied. And so we were service, have serviced them. Now, I don't think we've done one in a while because they're you're really not capable, um, you know, and unfortunately they're leaving us, you know. Uh, to do, to do any more missions, but uh, Korea, we we still see veterans from Korea, certainly from Vietnam, and when we started including Vietnam veterans, like one per event, it made a huge impact because the young the young guys that go, you know, they can see themselves in that individual, you know, and they just fast forward the tape 20, 30 years, and so the Vietnam veterans who, as you know, weren't welcomed back properly, you know. They're so grateful for, for what we're doing, you know, and it's just such a pleasure to, to you know, to see and sense the gratitude that, that they have. OK, but the average the average veteran now in our population that we're serving this, these are all pretty much, you know, OIF, OEF, that's Operation Enduring Freedom and Iraqi Freedom Veterans. And then there's this other, you know, New Dawn, which is other than, you know, that particular region. 
Um, but that is the vast preponderance of the veterans that we're serving. So their average age is probably around 36, 38, you know, something along those lines. Um, so, uh, and, 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 but, but, you know, we still have, uh, you know, guys that are in their seventies, you know, some of these Vietnam veterans are in, in, in their seventies and, and they're just doing great and, and they love it. And so, um, yeah, that's, that, that's what it looks like. A lot, a lot of fireside stuff happening. Um, you know, a lot of camaraderie, um, you know, a, a lot of storytelling. And I think, you know, you provide them a very safe, you know, very, very safe place to do that. And you'd be surprised what you hear, you know, and I think there's a lot of therapy. Oh, it's just a proven fact. You know, there's a lot of therapy and just telling your story and we never ask, you know, but it always comes up, you know, you get them around a fire after a hard day in, out, outside in the field, um, you know, and they're going to, they're going to start talking and you'd be surprised, you know, the, the thousand points of light. Oh, I know that guy, you know, it's, uh, it's amazing what's happening there, you know, and, and, and you know, men have been, you know, telling stories by the fireside and, eat, you know, eating meat since, you know, since we crawled, since we crawled out of the water, you know what I mean? I mean, it's just, it's been, uh, you know, this is something that's happened, you know, since the stone ages and, and there's something really, you know, therapeutic and germane to what we're doing to, you know, to get them together in a group. You know, we're very tribally oriented. I don't care what anybody says, you know, and, and um, you know, the, the military armed forces, regardless of the branch or service, I mean, that those are tribes, you know, and you get these guys around each other and they feel safe, especially amongst their combat wounded, um, you know, and magic things are going to happen. Yeah, it's amazing. Before we go, yeah. I want to throw a little sidewinder in here, a little curveball, a little, a little, uh, a little flamethrower at you um, Love it. because I didn't really get you prepared for this, but I'm thinking about it. And of course, you know, you're, you mentioned about the suicide rate and it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's incredible. Like you said, during this interview, a veteran has taken his or her life. So whether someone's watching the show as a purple heart recipient, maybe they're not a purple heart recipient. Maybe there's just someone struggling watching the show. Maybe you could share just, from your perspective, you know, something that might give them a little spark, something that might them might have them rethink where they're at and want to continue to move forward and, and engage in a positive way so that, you know, we keep them around for a lot longer and they continue to be, you know, members of our society that we can count on and that we can depend yeah. on and contributors. So if somebody's having a tough time right now, John, that's watching the show, what could you say to them to maybe help them out right now? Get on a team. Get on a team. Okay. That's one of the things I hear a lot about the foundation and our work is, you know, they put me back on a team. You know, they, they were part of a team. Okay. When they got, when they got hurt and that, you know, and they're no longer, the vast majority of them are no longer to perf able to perform their military duties based on the, the nature of their injuries and wounds. And so, you know, the, the, the Army, the Marine Corps, uh, whatever service branch, they just, you're done. You know, you get discharged. Um, there's plenty of support, okay, from the Veterans Administration. You know, they always tell me, hey, sir, you know, I don't need any more stitches. I don't need any more pills, okay? What I need is more of this, you know? And, and what this is, is being on a team. So, you know, if you're out there and you're struggling and you're wondering, you know, you know what to do. 
get yourself on a team. Okay. You got to take that step. I can't, you know, we can't put you on a team, but you can put your, you can find a team to get on, you know, and, and there's plenty of veteran service organizations out there and other things, whether it be, you know, from fly fishing to bowling, it doesn't matter. Get on a team, get connected. Okay. And get up off the couch, you know, put away the phone and get on a team and, and, you know, and commit yourself to it, you know, and, and I'll tell you that, that great things will happen. It, it really will to turn your, turn your, turn your life around. And so that's my message, you know, get on a team. I love it. We talk about the team all the time. I'm going to bring you back on the show because I think we could do a full hour with you talking about how powerful people are coming out of service and what they know and what they know how to do and how they know how to participate and how they know how to follow directions and get things done and why they would be such a great asset to any business or any CEO or founder building a business. I mean, it's really incredible. I mean, what you've done at the Wounded Warriors and Action Foundation is incredible. For the people watching this show, reach out to John, reach out to his team. They're very accessible. Honor, connect, and heal just resonates for me. You know, you said you were in uh, in the armed forces for 20 years and 20 minutes. I think somebody else said that he was in for 20 years and 20 seconds. So I'm not sure which one was in longer. Uh, but listen, you went to the Poly Trauma Center. You saw what was happening. You said to yourself, wow, let's do something here. Let's make a difference. You know, let's let's connect. And you've done it and your team is remarkable. So I wanted to thank you so much, uh, for not only coming on the show, but really giving us an honor to have you, someone that represents so many great people through your mission and through your foundation, uh, for coming on the dot-com magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. John, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Jake. My pleasure.